Hello. Hello, Mr. Jackson. Mr. Sullivan. Well, what a pleasure. I missed you. Yes. It's been, yeah, uh, I I had uh, two really great weeks at the cottage and uh, came back, and now I'm in full gear because our next quarter's workshop starts next Thursday. So I had to. Very nice. I'm hustling. I'm hustling. Um, do you do things at the last moment? <laughs> you know, there's a nice uh, podcast. Uh, uh, I heard about that ran for quite a while called the joy of procrastination. That that <laughs> was actually my superpower was working, yes. doing things at the last minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 Isn't like I, I formed, I formed things in my mind, but, uh, I kind of, uh, there's, um, uh, starting things really early. Uh, yeah. I find, uh, doesn't really excite me that much. And, um, and I right. have a memory that anytime I've done that, I've gone back and changed it at the last moment anyway. So, right. Um, that's the thing you know, is that so, when you realize the time to do things like the cadence or the, the, when it's needed, just in time delivery is the right thing. If you can yeah. do it without, if you embrace it and you're able to do it without stress, that's the, uh, that's the thing. So I'll tell you what, it, what helps me is to wake up every day and then to ask yourself, okay, procrastination, what have you got for me today? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> where, where are you getting all these tips? <laughs> oh, that's do you so have funny. some secret, uh, do you have some secret source that uh, you haven't, uh, <laughs> You haven't shared with me, or <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Here we are talking to each other about this stuff. <laughs> uh, Isn't it funny? Yeah, yeah. But it's really, you know, it really all clicks into place. I, I notice, and uh, um, you know, and I don't. Uh, when I come back, and I know it's time. Look, you got to get this done, and uh, other people are depending on you to get it done. I, I don't uh -huh. feel any particular pressure. I, I'm, it's like I'm engaged 100% at yeah. this point, and I don't have my... And I'll tell you something else. Um, um, Babs and I received by post, um, when we got back, we received the uh, Happy app from uh, Scott Donaldson. You know, the Oh, yeah, Happy yeah. Now, have you, have you experimented or tried it? Oh yeah, yeah. I've used it every day, and I've done all six of the. Uh, they have signals. They have different signals. Yeah. So, for those who are listening, this is a device, and it can either. It's got a um, adjustable band, so if you want to wear it on your head, you can just adjust it, and it adjusts to your head. Or if you just leave it loose, you can wear it around your neck, sort of like a necklace. And um, it's got a connection. Uh, this is a internet connection. And you go on, you sign in, and um, uh, so you have to order this. And it's H A P B E E Hap B. And uh, the the B is that it uh, kind of buzzes when the signal is actually on. So they it's a happy B. So uh -huh. they called it the happy. And um, um, 
so they've got six signals, uh, and I think they're very smart about the way they did them. One of them is for focus. One of them is for calm. One of them is for relax. Um, one of them is for alert. Uh, one of them is for um, uh, sleepy, and mm-hmm. uh, I'd have to go. I don't have the I don't have the right. menu here. And you put it on, and um, I've tried all six of them. And the one, the two that really, um, I notice a profound difference within just a matter of a minute or so, is calm, and uh-huh. the other one is focus. Those two okay. really. Um, yeah, th- have you those- tried them in a in a double blind study where you have Babs turn it on and be open to whatever feeling you get, but not know what the feeling is? I wonder if that if part of uh, it. I'm sorry, but expect- uh, at, uh, at, at our household we don't do double blind testing. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just setting yourself up for trouble uh, when you oh, gotcha. allow a double blind, double blind into your household. I'm not sure that. No, we haven't, and uh, unfortunately, Babs uh, dropped hers, and it didn't work. So she called them, and they're sending her another one. She's sending oh, this boy. one back. So she's yeah. actually been using mine. So. Um, um, but I can, I can have her, you know, I can, I can certainly, um, you know, we can go out in the lawn because that's not in the house and we can sit yeah. on the chair and she, we can do our double blind testing out in the lawn. You know? That would be fun and, to um, see. I wonder how much yeah. of it is the, um, you know, how much of it is the expectation of the outcome. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. As a matter of fact, we were talking about that this morning, and um, we were just talking about uh, polling because there's lots of polling going on with the presidential election right now. And uh, the one that's been the most accurate, if I go back to the previous election, is one called Rasmussen, R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N. And it's strictly a phone-only response, so you you will get the phone call, and it's a message, and then they direct you to hit different keys to in response to different oh, choices. Oh, okay, so it's telephony and not not human. Yeah, it's not human at all, and theirs uh-huh. has been the most accurate. And I said, well, that's probably because of the. Um, Heisenberg effect. Do you know what the Heisenberg effect is? And I've heard those words. This is Werner Heisenberg. Werner Werner Heisenberg was a very famous German physicist who um, got his name blackened a little bit because he was in charge of the Nazi atomic bomb project. So Mm. um, a lot of the physicists... um, well, went to England or they went to the United States because, uh, but he stayed in Germany and he was very prominent and he was a Nobel Prize winner and everything else. But he's got a um, an observation, it's called the Heisenberg effect, that when you're doing an experiment, the experiment is actually influenced by the experimenter. Yes. Okay. okay, and that's especially true when the experiment is with human beings, because the attitude, the 
the approach, the communication of the person doing the, um, you know, the experiment with humans, a uh, poll, you know, uh, asking for a polling yeah. numbers or polling preference. You're, uh, the tone of the voice, uh, how the person talks, uh, and everything else actually influences how the person's going to respond. Okay. And, uh, so, um, if you, uh, and what they're finding now is very few of the polling companies are impartial. Um, a lot of them are owned by political interests that, um, would favor a good polling result for the person that they want to win. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they find, therefore, the person asking the question, even if they pause a little when you give an answer, that would not be in alignment with what the polling company wanted. That little pause on the part of the polling person would um, would affect how you answered the question, or whether you wow. answered the question at all, right. or whether you did it at all. And uh, so it's what there's no, uh, but the Rasmussen and there's others. They simply have a standard question, so there's no voice change in the message. The message is a recorded message, so it's always constant. So in experiments, you want things to be constant from one test to the other. A human voice is the least, uh, prob- a human voice is probably the least, uh, um, what I would say, uh, uh, constant factor in any kind of testing because Right. The person might, you know, the yeah. If they're beginning their poll, they're fresh. If they're yeah, middle exactly. of the poll, uh, and they're then it gets routine. Yeah, and right. the, the, we're we're incredibly good at picking up uh, the mood and mm-hmm. the mood and the mindset and the attitude of uh, mm-hmm. people who are talking to us. So we're we're very very, you know, for example, uh, you know, with. Uh, they find that uh, uh, computer-based uh, medical diagnoses are about 25 to 30 percent more accurate than than uh, when you're dealing with an actual medical practitioner, or a doctor, or anything else. Same thing with legal um, legal um, opinions uh, interfaces. And uh-huh. so, for example. Uh, uh, the doctor asks you something, and you say something, and the doctor says, "Oh wow, oh wow, <laughs> oh. Well, that oh wow it just it just <laughs> changed all your just changed all your answers from that point forward." Oh boy, you know, or he, yeah, or they kind of squint, they kind of squinted when you say, "Really, really, you know, <laughs> well, really, just changed the uh, just changed uh, your wow." But they find you know, that, that people so- are much more. Yeah, I can see in polls, one of, that would be a real, uh, you know, what they would call a cause of variation. And I imagine oh, yeah. if you think about, you multiply it by the, uh, if you, you can have the exact question, the questions that you want to ask, but delivered by a thousand different pollsters. And they're going to have a thousand different inflections and emotions and cadences mm-hmm. and connection with the person. Whereas if it was automated or recorded, it's, there's no variation in the process. Yeah, Everybody's. And, and the yeah. interesting thing is that the compilation, when all the polls come back in, um, the 
telephone yeah. only. In other words, it's entirely yeah. technological. Um, all the compilation and all the results are issued before humans actually see the see yeah. the results. Okay, right. so there's, um, you know, uh, it's constant going in and it's constant coming out. Yeah, so they have a, a complete thing, and it's been. I mean, Rasmussen, their technology has been around for about twenty years. But over the last twenty years, if you took all the polls for the uh, you know, in, in elections, and usually it's at the well. This is really a uh, this is a Cloudlandia multiplier. In that, oh yeah, in the yeah. old days, you would have to individually dial, uh, you know, a thousand people to get a poll result. I think minimum a thousand is the uh, statistical acceptable or whatever. Um, they get a thousand uh, results, but they'd have to manually and individually dial a thousand people and have that conversation where in Cloudlandia right now, even with uh, that's one of the benefits of 5G probably now is the ability mm-hmm. to push out. You can connect with a thousand people instantly and because yes. you don't have to sequentially dial them one at a time, even if it's an automated telephony system, mm-hmm. um, it's linear. But this being, mm-hmm. you could push that out and get the results instantly. I think if you had a, a three-minute telephone survey, you could you could get the answers in ten minutes. Yeah, I think total. You yeah. could get the idea. That's a that's an amazing multiplier of. Cloudlandia, if you think about that, that you imagine being able to think of a question and, uh, or think of a, you know, a series of questions or whatever, record them one time and push a button and have it instantly connect with a thousand people and yeah. give you the answer in, in 10 minutes. That's, yeah. uh, well, well, that's the other a, thing is you could do it. The other thing is you could do it with a hundred thousand, just as easily yeah. as you could do it. Right. Like if you had your, uh, you, if had you had your a big list, universe, or, uh, right. yeah. If you had your list all set up, then a hundred thousand is more no more difficult than than a thousand. Uh, there was know. um a while years ago. I don't know. I haven't heard much about it recently, but this reminds me of. Uh, I think there's a service that Google offers called Google surveys where you can um, do a survey. You can do survey um, questions or whatever, um, you know, to random uh, people, (laughs) people who I guess have, have, um, you know, agreed to take part in surveys or whatever. But um, yeah, do you remember hearing anything about that? I remember somebody was thinking about that as as market research. Uh, so yeah, brought it up at a, a breakthrough blueprint group maybe five years ago or more. No, no, no. I mean, uh, <clears throat> um, it's not an activity that I would. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I can bring it up with my marketing team. You know, your who's? I don't know my who's yeah and talk to them about it um yeah it's very very interesting uh, um you know another uh example of the heisenberg effect 
as they find in um, uh, uh, drugs, especially mood-altering drugs like um, anxiety-reducing drugs, and uh-huh. um, you know that they have them. Um, that historically they've gotten their best results in the first six months. In the first six months of the when the new drug is introduced in the first six months, they get really, really good results. And then it drops off after about six months. And the using the Heisenberg effect as the explanation for this is that the doctor was excited and the patient was excited when the new drug came out. Yes. So the, yes. there's a placebo, there's a placebo effect. Uh, that uh, the drug, a new drug has a placebo effect that uh, a, a drug on the market for a while doesn't. Uh... Yeah, new and new and exciting. Yeah, new and exciting. Oh, I I really have heard about this. It's great research on it and everything like that. And uh, you know, and uh, and so human expectation, the human aspiration, and human expectation plays a very large part in um, the effectiveness of something new and because uh-huh. you've inspired to have this new capability. Like I'm still within my high placebo effect as far as Zoom goes. Now, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I've uh, I've wondered because I'm six months solid in uh, in uh, Zooming. And, um, and I, if anything, um, people say, well, do you get the, you know, sort of Zoom fatigue? And I said, it's kind of just the opposite. I, I think I have Zoom addiction. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you know, now the interfaces of these um, things are really uh, for broadcast purposes and things. Anyway, I'm noticing right now, just last night we were watching um, TV and there was a show uh, that was, there's a show called Impractical Jokers and it's these four guys from uh, New York that grew up together and they, they have uh, this fun show that they do. But of course with COVID, they haven't been able to go out and, and you know, they, they challenge each other to do, uh, to do crazy things, but they've been having a series called, uh, you know, dinner at home and they, there's four of them. And so they have, They'll each prepare their dinner and then they get together and have just a, a conversation or they look back on clips and, you know, share inside stories from making the show kind of thing. But the the way that the images and stuff are presented on the um, on the screen are, you know, really nicely done, like there's a nice display um, of it and things move around um, nicely. And you realize now that's the way all these, you know, uh, nighttime uh, talk shows, like all the late mm-hmm. night talk shows are doing the same thing. And you realize mm-hmm. in that moment that anybody could do that. You could yes. use this because these guys are at home with zoom essentially i don't know what technology they're using but it's the same essentially the same thing skype or zoom or whatever um virtual uh you know gathering and that you know i i just feel like man that's such a um 
It's such a great That's democratization, right isn't it? It really yeah. is. That's well, exactly what it is. is. Yeah. I've gone way, I've gone down Peter Diamandis' 60s, you know, yeah. you know, one of the... Yeah, but democratization, uh, first of all, you have demonetization, which it becomes really yes. cheap to do it. And then it's dematerialization is that you don't require to travel anywhere. You don't require, you know, you have to, you don't have to have a, an actual recording studio or anything. So you have yeah, the cost you've of it. Got this and, yeah. and, and then you have um, democratization is that, uh, you know, it becomes available to everybody as just a standard, normal, everyday um, yeah. activity, and then it's just your imagination applied to that that makes the difference. And yeah, um, and there's no curator of imagination besides an actual audience. Right. Yeah, beautiful. Right. I mean, it's so it's it's fun now to see the um, uh, the possibilities here as everything is is lining up i've been going keeping this collection this running collection of people who are really benefiting from this cloudlandia migration and our our ability to connect with everybody there's a recording artist um a, a rapper um called russ who you know has built up his streaming income now on Spotify and iTunes and all the mm-hmm. all the digital platforms to fifteen million dollars a year he's making wow. now uns- unsigned as a you know independent artist mm-hmm. through making he he put out for a lot of weeks a um a song a week. It, that was his that was his method was putting out a song a week and he's been doing it now for um nine years or something but over for the last you know four or five years he's really kind of hit and is making all this money from his back uh catalog here you know that every stream is out there and you start to realize now i'm seeing the um the big companies that are organizing around allowing independent artists to do this without having to figure out how to do it. Like he hooked into a a company called TuneCore, which allows independent artists to place their music on TuneCore, who then distribute it to all the streaming services. So they charge a fee of you know whatever it is minimal fee to just mm-hmm. distribute it to all the streaming services and there's a um there's a company now uh, i think called United Masters and they are they just formed a partnership with TikTok um a distribution partnership because TikTok has really been responsible for breaking music right like virally getting music out there um quickly mm-hmm. but i read they've got um 400,000 artists signed to them and have mm-hmm. cumulatively had 5 billion streams 
five mm-hmm. billion streams of songs from their, uh, you know, 400,000 artists and half a million distributed tracks. But you start to see now that inter, I, it's kind of like what Peter's talking about, interfaces where somebody is creating the, um, you know, an easy who being an easy who to uh, get music out distributed to all of these yeah. monetizing this is very uh, this is very interesting because uh, two two things I'd say about this I have a almost a thirty year uh, veteran of strategic coach so he's been in strategic coach since I think ninety one he came in his name's Greg Gishon and Greg is a has a hedge fund. And, okay. uh, you know, prominent downtown, you know, right down Bay, Bay Street in Toronto type of thing, financial district. And, uh, you know, but about two and a half years ago, two young, um, younger uh, associates joined his uh, firm and both of them had come out of the recording industry uh, and they had investment, you know, they had investment uh uh, experience and they had recording and what they brought was some um, uh, research data with them and they showed that if you think of the long tail you know the long tail model that uh, you have a straight line on the left hand side uh-huh. and you have superstars you know you have Katie yeah. you know you have all the top people yeah uh, they're along the line that goes right up straight to the top. And then you yep. have uh-huh. this curve that goes down. And they yeah. said about, if you go about 20% down the curve, if you go from 20, actually, I think it's, it's, uh, I'm not sure it's that near the superstars, but it's at a point, maybe 20, 25% down the curve. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And then you go from about 25% to 50%. There's a zone there from 25 to 50. And uh-huh. the data showed that these are people who are not famous, but these yes. are people who are very, very talented. And they uh-huh. have a following. And what they found is that the third year of putting out a new song, they're getting the same number of uh, hits as the first day they or the first let's say the first six months they put out a new hit yeah so they have a constant loyal audience and so what they've done is that they've created a fund where they go to these artists and they said well you know we'd like to invest in you and uh, they, they say so we'd like to give you this amount of money up front uh for what you're doing and then there's trailers you know the trailers as they go on uh, yeah. but, uh, but we get 20% of all your, you know, as the income comes in from yeah. the streaming companies like United uh-huh. Masters or whoever it is. Yeah, right. Then uh-huh. they, then they, that, that would go into the fund and then he sells the fund to, uh, you know, to investors that they actually invest in this. And he says it's, uh, it's getting bigger. He says the thing that he, he's been so struck with. Is that 25 to 50 percent is getting much, much bigger. The number of people who are in the 25, his yeah. criteria for being from 25 to 50 percent is uh, much larger than it was two years ago. 
And so yeah. he says it's growing. It's growing because he said we're adding more and more artists and blocks of artists. And, uh, and it's kind of lifetime. They bought that property. They bought not, not a hundred percent. They just buy 20% of the person's property. So the person has right. 80% or, or, you know, they, they don't own that. So that's one factoid I'd like to give you about Cloudlandia and how it's operating. But the other one is um, um, that I find the job numbers in the United States. So mm -hmm. uh, at the worst of the job losses, it was 20 million. And that was in uh, uh, probably the end, end of April. April, about 20 yeah. million. End of April. The, it was about 20 million. And since then, about eleven and a half million. There's been eleven and a half million job job number recovery. So it's it was um, uh, twenty million, and now it's about eight and a half, eight and a half million that are um, that twenty million, uh, eleven and a half million. There's jobs, but the interesting thing, and I'm relating it to what you're talking about with the huge number of artists who are making income that um, I wonder how many of those jobs are brand new jobs that never existed before, you know, well, and I don't even know that you can call well, them jobs. Everybody yeah. thinks that they've gone back, that they've gone to back to work. And I said, well, I, I just wonder if that's true. Uh, maybe those jobs are gone forever. Maybe yeah. out of the 11 and a half million, three and a half million of them are brand new jobs. They didn't exist pre-COVID, but they've been created during during COVID. Do these? I'm wondering does does driving for Uber or or Grubhub or Instacart or any of those kind of things does that count as jobs? Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, would that be well in the in states? Jobs in the states, it uh, states it does. Yeah, they uh, it does. This okay. is uh, this is um, Department of Labor, you know, and yeah, yeah, you know, they're 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 pretty far ranging in what they consider okay. to be a job, but they're they're working with constants. So whatever was yeah. a constant when twenty million were lost, they're using the okay. same constant for the eleven F. So. Uh, that it's a really good question or whether uh, someone who's doing streaming and making fifteen million dollars is considered having a job maybe to right you know, so that's what I wonder. the fact is and the re the reason I think that there's a lot of employment paid employment that's uh taking place or paid transactions I'll say maybe it's not employment it's transactions. Uh, is the stock market. The stock market has been pretty uniformly good throughout COVID, yeah. the U.S. stock market, you know, and it's, uh, it's as high as it ever was right now. You know, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. um, whatever it lost, it, uh, regained. And yeah. I'm wondering is because there's all sorts of bets on future economic activity, but the vast majority of this, um, Things that are being bet on as far as future, you know, I mean, that's what a stock is. It's a bet yeah. on a future value, value of something, whether there's just millions of new things to bet on that is actually propelling the stock market. Well, I wonder where it's this. What I'm seeing is this, it, this inter, this, I don't know what's interface or the connection or the nexus of where Cloudlandia meets the mainland where digital meets linear that like the, the capability 
to create and distribute music is infinitely, um, you know, scalable in that somebody, Mm -hmm. there's more and more people, you know, it's, it's getting easier and easier for us as a society to produce more and more music. And that music and to consume and to consume alive, too. yes, and to consume. But our ability to produce as a society is much greater than our ability mm-hmm. to consume because we yeah. have to consume it linearly in mainland in mainland time, mainland time. And yeah, you can produce so it in Cloudlandia time, but uh, you can distribute it in Cloudlandia yeah. time, but you can't consume it any differently than you've ever been able to do. That's exactly it. But now this is where I'm seeing this model. So this would be interesting to help me think through this, because what I'm seeing now is, you know, we've landed on this point where we get access to every song ever recorded in human history that's digitized available at any time, wherever we want for a flat fee that we've subscribed to that we could, Mm -hmm. but the maximum that we could listen to, we could stream music a maximum of 24 hours a day. Yeah. Right. That's the maximum uh, per person. Per person. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, per maximum person. consumption yeah. per person is twenty-four hours per kinda day. Kind of like food. Or, you know, to a certain extent, it's kind of like food. Uh, you know, it that is. You can you produce can only, all, all the food you want, but uh, yeah, basically, there's a there's an individual consumption limit. Yes, exactly. But that, but the food is prepared linearly too. That's a mainland thing. So there's limited supply and demand of that. But when you go with video, you go with those uh, things. Now, what I'm seeing, so that's kind of where we've landed, subscribing to all Mm -hmm. the music and you get to choose whatever you want. So it truly creates a meritocracy for the um, uh, music producers because if you produce good music that people want, then you get uh, rewarded just like any, somebody could listen to Beyonce in one minute and then listen to you in the next minute. And you're getting paid just like Beyonce is getting paid for that stream. Right yeah. now where I'm seeing this happening now is it's evo- it's evolving into all of these linear mainland services are becoming subscribable. And I've noticed this because as I was building out my, I'm constantly looking and building out my, my Hulu decks, my, my Rolodex of who's my Hulu decks. And as I was looking at that, um, there are, I'm noticing a trend of any kind of who's, that you need for specific services are offering subscription models now. So you can get all the graphic design that you need for a fixed fee mm-hmm. by companies like Kimp and Design Pickle and, and 
unlimited creatives and all, all of these services. So for, you know, 400 bucks a month, you can get all the graphic design that you need one, one request mm -hmm. at a time. Um, you can get all the video editing and preparation that you need. You can get writing, all the writing, researching and article writing and stuff that you want are getting down to these collectives where you mm -hmm. can subscribe, tap into this capabilities on tap um, for mm -hmm. very just where it is now is you're only paying for what you're actually using. There's, there's mm -hmm. all the inefficiency of a, um, you know, all the inefficiency of a linear relationship with one designer, for instance, is, uh, you know, is taken away. So for $389, Here's how it works. You can have unlimited design requests, but they're queued up and they work on them one at a time. You basically get mm -hmm. one design per day, basically, right? So mm -hmm. 20, day, 20 days, you get 20, 20 design items for uh, $389. And you think about that you can add subscriptions as you need. So if you want to have 10 things going at one time, 10 requests at a time, you could have 10 subscriptions. And so you start to think that 10 $389 descriptions or uh, subscriptions, if you've got your design queue, and if you've got enough requests, enough what's for the who's to do, that mm -hmm. You would imagine that 10 of those subscriptions is going to be more efficient than one $3,800 salary for a designer. Yeah, 38000 or whatever. Well, 3800 times 3800 a month. I mean, yeah. Right, right. $389 a month. So $4,000 a month. Uh, you know, a $50,000 a year designer sure, sure. that sure. that yeah. output, the actual output is going to yeah. be more. So our, our ability to tap into just in time, um, just in time mm -hmm. output really mm -hmm. kind of is delightful for a um, just in time kind of, creative yeah like you and i mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah the 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 one one of the things that uh i think uh really um is not looked at looked at here is uh um you know is the difference so for example our team is 110 people and we're uh we're yeah. now hiring sales people we're hiring more sales people so as far as staff goes there have been enormous efficiencies that have been created through um, Zoom. Um, I would say our productivity from an um, internal standpoint has probably gone up 25 or 30% in the last yeah. six months. 
um, you know, the preciseness of projects, the preciseness of meetings, the preciseness yeah. of getting together and doing that. And um, the there's kind of a, and people are re, are learning new entirely new things. So we're redistributing um, different tasks to different people. Uh, and we're um, eliminating some tasks altogether. They just disappear. And um, the, and the teams are actually creating uh, better, uh, you know, better projects. They're creating better, um, you know, better solutions uh, and everything. And, um, you know, people say, well, you know, why do you have all those people? And I said, uh, well, because I've learned from 30 years and going through various, you know, um, boom periods and, uh, you know, um, market periods, that there's a power, institutional power that you get because you have people who are working on a whole system and they're working continually on the whole system. Yeah. And uh, so... And I'm I'm reading this uh, Patrick O'Brien series of novels, and you may be familiar. One of them, not one of them, uh, uh, several of the novels were merged together, and they were turned into a movie called Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. I don't know if you remember okay. that movie. Yeah, it was probably 2003, something like mm-hmm. that. You know. Yeah. And it's about uh, it's about an 1800 um, uh, warship captain by the name of Jack Aubrey, and they're fighting against the French, mostly against the French. Some of it's against the Americans. Uh, so it's a British Navy. And uh, it was just talking about uh, it was part of the power of this character, Jack Aubrey, is that uh, the British Navy was set up on an entrepreneurial basis, that you would have a ship captain, you'd have a crew, and their main job was to go out and destroy the warships of other countries but another part of it was to capture merchant ships from the other country and uh, so you might sink the warships but you didn't want to sink the merchant ships because you would capture them and you had part of your crew as a prize crew and they would go aboard and they could sail the ship back to England where the captured merchant ship and its merchandise would be auctioned off and all there was a 10% that the British government got, but the other 90% went to the captain and the crew. Mm. So it was an entrepreneurial, uh, the British Navy uh, set it up as an entrepreneurial business. And so Jack Aubrey was called Lucky Jack Aubrey because he, in a really good season, he'd bring back 10, 15 merchant ships that would be captured and the ship would be uh, you know, the ship would be added to the merchant marine of the Great Britain, and then the merchandise had a value, and it would be uh, it would be offered up. And uh, so, his if you were on the crew with Jack Robert, you got really well paid. You got a basic salary minimum, uh, and mm-hmm. then you got this bonus on top. And so, it really was very interesting. But the other thing was that the British Navy would only provide the ships with a certain amount of powder, gunpowder, for shooting the cannons. But if you were a really wealthy captain, you were a big prize winner, you would buy extra, you would buy extra power. 
tigers. Oh, okay. And you would practice, yeah, and you would practice every day. So you'd use the extra. So the the crews of the uh, prize ships um, were better shots. They they were better with cannon. They were they were better. They were faster and everything else. So it was like the best getting better, you know, that uh, yeah. there was this. And, uh, and uh, very, very interesting. Uh, I mean, and he explains novel by novel kind of the economics. And then when a ship's tour, they were out for a year, they were out for a year and a half, and they'd come back. And then they were disbanded uh, because you yeah. had to be given a commission from the government that, uh, mm. uh, you know, the, the, uh, you would be the captain of this boat. But then Jack Aubrey had this lineup of seamen. You know, he never had a problem getting really great seamen to join his, you know, and midshipmen and lieutenants and all the other people that it takes to run yeah. a ship. And, uh, yeah. and uh, it, but it was the neatest insight into their thing that they made it entrepreneurial. They made the whole exercise entrepreneurial. Yeah. And uh, very interesting. I but think then he'd really... have these. They, he would have these crews who had been with him, like the, the bulk of the crew, like 60% of the crew had been yeah. with him for 10 years. And they just understood everything about running the ship. You know, they, yeah. and we have, uh, you know, I have 110 and of those 110, 65 of them have been with coach for more than 10 years. Yeah, so we yeah. have, uh, and they have what I call institutional wisdom. They just have, they just kind of know how things get done. They know how to put projects together. You know, they, yeah. they know how to work together. And a lot of it can't be written down in a job. None of this can really be written down. It's just, right. The, the, this is kind of how things going to work. So it's going to be interesting. And I, I think uh, your organization becomes more productive. And what yeah. they're finding right now after six months, productivity figures for the first time since probably the early 90s. Um, 1993, 1944, that the productivity in the American economy had not gone up at all, but now it's shot up in the last six months. And I think it's two uh -huh. things that good companies have stayed together and have gotten better. And uh, new companies have been created using much better methods. And all of them have been assisted by technology, both uh, the good companies and the new companies have been multiplied by technology. And I think that's where you're seeing the productivity, and it's that productivity that's being invested in in the, in the stock market. I think. Mm. This is really, you know, when you said that, like uh, I look at our 90-minute book team as an example of a collected organization mm -hmm. that are specialists in something that together create a really expedited process for something like somebody, any one of the skills or tasks that need to be done to publish a book, you could find someone to help you outline and interview you for the, the book. You could find someone to edit that or transcribe it and mm -hmm. edit it. Mm -hmm. You could find someone to design a cover for you. You could find someone to uh, lay it out and prepare the files and everything for create space and set it up on, on uh, to get them printed and set up your landing page, do all those things. Individually, you could find people to do all of those things, but the, mm -hmm. the combination of 
I think we're closing in on six years now. This is, mm-hmm. I think, sixth or seventh year for mm-hmm. um, for ninety minute books. But the it was funny the the um, inspiration that I used for uh, you know helping our team expedite this uh, the improve the process was a video from the Melbourne Formula One race that showed a comparison of pit stops from the 1950s to the Melbourne, uh, you know, um, Formula One race where the pit stop went from 57 seconds in in the 50s where they would come in and change the tire and do the uh, fill it up with gas. gas. Yeah, polish the window, whatever it was. It was 57 seconds. Off it goes. And then uh, now through teamwork and efficiency of process, it's under three seconds to change four tires, fill the car with gas, and get it back out on the road under yeah. three seconds, yeah. and so yeah, that and probably the whole technology of, of the wheels and uh, you know, yeah, I think the, you know the, the infusion of gas now is like it's you know it's yeah uh, it's like that's that, what it is yeah. it's actually hydraulic where it sucks the gas into the car right yeah the whole thing yeah. is is crazy right gravity but. All of that innovation to get something to what are literally the, you know, minimum um, of physical requirement or constraint that that's it couldn't be done any faster. Yeah. And you got some sense of uh, how that worked behind the scenes from the movie Ford versus Ferrari. You know, yes, exactly. was, um, yeah, you know, that uh, they weren't anything and then they beat, uh, you know, the number one team, Ferrari. Not only beat them, but I think the three of their drivers finished first, you know, the first time they beat them. And there was, you know, there was the Ford Motor Company politics yeah. that uh, was behind the scene. But if you set your mind to it and you've got really, you know, great teams. Yeah, in the book, uh, these books, the... Uh, they're called the Jack, Jack Aubrey stories because it's uh-huh. about a man who is actually based on a historical um, uh, captain, um, uh, British Navy captain by the name of Thomas Cochran, who was, like, you know, I mean, there's nothing that's depicted in the book that this actual character uh, apparently um, uh, didn't do, you know, that... Uh, Anyway, but it's very, very interesting because he's created this. Uh, and actually, Russell Crowe was uh, a good actor. Uh, whenever I'm reading the book, I'm thinking of Russell Crowe. I'm picturing Russell Crowe. Anyway, right. but uh, the uh, the interesting thing is that in the British Navy, um, what was considered excellent was three broadsides in five minutes. So a broadside uh-huh. is where all the guns on one side fire. And then you um, are able to accomplish this three times in five minutes, and it's okay. uh, it's really quite extraordinary because the sh- the gun comes back. They you know they they put another uh, they put uh, more uh, gunpowder in it. They put a ball down and then they damp 
damper it down and then it has to go back out and it has to be sighted and fired. But uh, Jack Robbery with this crew of this one ship, he was doing three broadsides in just a little over three minutes. So, oh, wow. Uh, and, and that was devastating. He had a smaller boat, but the fact that he could deliver so much firepower uh, uh-huh. so fast and his crew was so good and, uh, uh, and, uh, was part of the trick. You know, I mean, he had all these yes. tricks of the trade and that was his tricks. And he, but he had all this prize money to buy extra power. So every night for an hour, they, they practice, um, gunmanship, you know, they're out yes. in the middle of the ocean and they'd put out, uh, they'd put out empty barrels. They take empty barrel, uh, um, uh, you know, like um, barrels that uh, you now whiskey would come in, but they were sealed, and they'd stick stick them out there, and then they would shoot for the barrels, you know, and everything yeah. like that, you know. But it was uh, really interesting, and he, everything was timed. They had, uh, yes. you know, had, uh, timing, and uh, you know, I mean, it's really fascinating because you read history and you say they were so good. But then you understand, yeah, but it was all entrepreneurial. It was all entrepreneurial. The yeah. whole Navy ran on entrepreneurial principles. And uh, and then it became more bureaucratic. It was already, you were seeing the buildup of bureaucrats who could interfere with yeah. and bureaucrats and regulations and everything like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, but, yeah, but my sense is that this COVID thing has... Um, um, Unloosen things, um, and uh, really, things of no value have failed, and things of new value have found new space to, um, you know, get into production and get into marketing and get into uh, having customers. Yeah, this. I mean, oh, such exciting times. We've had, I just realized this morning, we've, I've, um, Philip, our, uh, 12 year old going into seventh grade this year, Luba's, uh, yeah. boy is, uh, homeschooling. And the, one of the things I've been helping him with is, is setting up a, a business, you know, to learn how to make money. And what is the thing, the easiest, uh, thing we've been doing is selling stuff on eBay, like showed up, you know, had him go through the process of researching, finding out how to set up the eBay account and got mm-hmm. him all set up, learning how to post things on eBay. And we are selling just things around the house that we have that, yeah. are, you know, extra <laughs> boxes and, and electronics and stuff like that. And so he, posted him up and he had him do the research on the pricing and um, you know, so he put it up at the, what the top price that these things were going for and we didn't get any bites. And I said, what do you think we need to do? And he said, well, I guess we should lower the price. I said, well, we do that. Let's lower everything by 20%. So he went and lowered it, you know, by 20% across the board, five items were allowed to have initially and so now in the last two days, he's made three sales of the five items are sold. And I just, I was sitting this morning just contemplating on what that is that he as a 12 year old right now is 
literally free from. Yeah, helping, yeah, you know, he just he's, repay, he, he just uh, saved you an enormous amount of money down the road. Oh no, I mean, <laughs> I didn't mean free for us. I mean, he's free, no, free um, forever, free forever. He's, yeah, he's free of. He's free the, forever. Yeah, he, yes. he understood. He understood. He now understands one of the most uh, important truths of the world, and that's the pricing mechanism of the marketplace. That things are and worth what people are willing to pay for them, and he can tap in to get the money. But where oh, uh, yeah. we still have to drive the bureaucracy out of him because the sales came in overnight on Friday and Saturday his video game day like that's the weekend right and he just was yeah. like couldn't believe that what do you mean i've got to pack and ship these today it's the weekend it's the, <laughs> like taking that bureaucracy thinking like this is yeah this is yeah. my time this isn't like what are you saying i've yeah. got to yeah do yeah that's really now. interesting these are all i mean uh uh, yeah, you've got yourself a little school there, uh, an infinitely expandable, personally designed school. You know, I mean, yeah, he can be in the school for the rest of his life. Now he he understands, yes. uh, you know, what uh, an advanced degree looks like. It's uh, it's That's selling I'm more, trying getting to more. Convey to him, I'm trying to convey to him that he's got now the path to anything his heart could desire. We're actually this yeah. week, Dan, going to read Wanting What You Want. Because Oh, that's great. Yeah. I think I'm going to set yeah. him on that path that the secret to life is wanting. Wanting is going to drive everything for him. You know? Yeah. He's leaving the world of needing. <laughs> that's what I mean, is that he's free yeah. of depending on anybody to uh, you know, give him he's in the results economy. At twelve, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's delightful. Uh, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, a number of the um, because I'm, I'm. This last two or three weeks has been unique in the last six months because I really haven't had any. Um, I haven't had any Zoom activity because I was right. at the cottage for two weeks and I had prep days, but. Um, uh, but uh, we're continuing on with the two hours. So in every three month period, there are six two hour, um, you know, check in yeah. um, sessions, little, little mini workshops for uh, that's for the 10 times. And then I have seven yeah. for the free zone. So I have 13, 13 little sessions. And I'm using my yeah. goal in our R&D lab. So testing yeah. out new ideas, testing out. But anyway, um, the thing that, um, uh, uh, has come up is um, entrepreneurs starting their own schools uh, with other entrepreneurial families, yeah. and then hiring great teachers from the teacher uh, from the school system. One in Dallas, twenty. The one our one client, he got together with nineteen other families, and uh, they created a school and. Uh, and then they it was Waldorf School. I don't know if you know the Waldorf uh -huh. School system. I do. Yeah, um, my uh, Stuart, yeah. his um, his wife is a teacher at a, a Waldorf. Um, yeah, yeah. School, and yeah. It's uh, about a hundred year old. It's about a hundred year old thing started in Germany in the 1920s, and mm -hmm. uh, you know it's um, yeah it's a particular philosophy and won't go into that. 
but uh, his kids were all at the Waldorf school and all these other parents, their kids were at the Waldorf school and they just approached three of the best teachers by consensus, you know, the, among the parents who were the best teachers. Three. And uh, Waldorf is not getting a handle on this at all. They're not, you know, in Dallas, they just haven't gotten a handle on what to do with the COVID and everything else. So they just, Asked the three teachers, and they're actually uh, not young teachers. They're in their 40s and 50s, with tons of experience, but uh, yeah. really a field. And they they just um, named a price, and the three teachers said, "Yeah." And they said, "You design the curriculum." And one mm-hmm. of the families had a ranch, has a ranch, and they have yeah. um, a spare buildings. So they've turned all the spare buildings into um, educational. Yeah. Uh, sections and they have a five day week. Four of them are classroom and one of them is learning ranch skills. Oh, nice. That's great. Because, yeah, I mean, that the Waldorf is counter to Zoom learning and, uh, you know, or being. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's about a hundred. It's like Montessori to a certain extent. Yeah. It's like Montessori. Yeah. It's all in person and it's all, yeah. it's a totally. It's the best of the mainland that the mainland can do as far as yeah. education, but it doesn't it doesn't translate well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this so, is uh, yeah. all very exciting, Dan. Yeah. An amazing you know, time to be alive. Uh, it's, a, it's an infinite ocean, and we don't need all the water. That's right. That's yeah, right. People said, geez, I, I got to keep up. I got to stay up. I said, don't worry. Just uh, do something new every quarter, you know, make an improvement. Yes. Every quarter, you know, get get more efficient, get more effective every quarter. You don't have to worry things. So the, I said, you're, you're in an infinite world now. And yeah. uh, I think this yeah, wave man. of progress, this wave of, of uh, moving forward, yeah, we talk about how it reminds me of the there's a line in Hamilton where it's look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now. Talking about the mm-hmm. seventeen hundreds in, in New York, you know, it was the place yeah. to be. The city was a yeah. buzz, but you know, here we are, twenty twenty in Cloudlandia and look around. Look around how yeah. lucky we are to be alive right now. I mean Yep. Yep. Anyway, it's it's very, very interesting. And uh, I think if you get a year or two years away from this, like it's 2023, and you're looking back at this, and um, uh, this will not have turned out the way that bureaucrats wanted to turn out. Right. I think you're right. Yeah. That's really all you can see is that. I like that idea (laughs) of the the knowable future, the seeable future is really about mm-hmm. three to five years. But other than that, you can't really, who knows what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and um, I've made a statement several times and people have, you know, it's been a provocative statement. And I said, I don't think that all government bureaucrats are worthless. I think it's just very, very difficult for any of them to prove how they're valuable. <laughs> yes. And I think in this world, it's very hard to, where you just have a process job, 
And yeah. uh, there's no beginning to it and there's no end to it. It's just a continual yeah. thing that you're doing. I think it's very hard to prove your value uh, value uh, yeah. right now if you've got that type of job. And that's, uh, yeah. how do you measure it? You know, how do you measure value? If it's a process, it's not. And the other thing is, I think this is good for project based um, work. Absolutely. Well, that's what it all is. It's all project based yeah. work. Everything. That's the, the, yeah. you know, Everything. Love it. Yeah. All well, right. Welcome back, well, Dan. It's uh, been great. I'm so uh, happy that we got to. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm connect. steady now. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm steady. I think, except for Canadian Thanksgiving, I'm good to American Thanksgiving. <laughs> Perfect. Me too. Yeah. All right. All right. Back on track. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.